Good morning and welcome to The Ripple, your weekly podcast for all the circles in your life. Welcome to episode 48. We've got a good one for you today. Here's what we're covering for stories. A new bill is being introduced to help BIPOC Vermonters own land. A look at Vermont and the U.S.'s decision to suspend the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for a few days. A volcano that is still erupting in the Caribbean. And of course, your weekly sports update. Let's go. Throughout Vermont's history, racist practices made it difficult or almost impossible for Black, Indigenous, and other people of color to own homes and land. Today, 97.7% of Vermont farms are white-owned. White Vermonters have a home ownership rate of 72%, compared to just 24% for Black Vermonters. And in Burlington, Black residents are four and a half times more likely to be denied a home loan than their white counterparts. Those statistics are a direct result of Vermont's history of systemic racism in housing and land ownership, activists are saying. And now, they're pushing legislation that would begin to combat those century-old disparities. House Bill 273 would create the Vermont Land Access and Opportunity Fund to promote racial and social equity in land access and property ownership. It would do so through grant programs, financial education, and other investments targeted to Vermonters who have been historically discriminated against. Quote, it will mean for the first time in my life that folks who look like me, who are uh, descendants of those that broke their backs and shed their blood for this very soil for our collective and greater good, are able to shine their light forward in what feels like a very meaningful way toward a just land future for all of us. End quote, said Stefan Gillum, president of the Wyndham County NAACP. Members of the House Committee on General Housing and Military Affairs looked at the legislation for the first time on Tuesday afternoon. The majority of the 25-page bill is a detailed explanation of Vermont's history of systemically excluding Black, Indigenous, and people of color from home and land ownership. The final few pages create the fund and the Vermont Land Access and Opportunity Board, which would oversee and administer the fund, financed by $10 million from the state's general fund. uh, Representative Tiff Blumel uh, from Burlington said every member of the committee had received tons of emails celebrating the bill in anticipation of Tuesday's hearing. She said almost all those emails pointed to the way the bill was drafted and how many different communities were heard in creating it. The legislation lists the impacted communities as those who have suffered discrimination due to race, ethnicity, sex, geography, language preference, immigrant or citizen status, sexual orientation, gender identity, socioeconomic status, or disability status. That's a lot, one of the members said, but then its findings are all about systemic racism for the BIPOC community, and the board is primarily representing the BIPOC community as well. I grew up in Vermont, and growing up in Vermont as a black person in the 80s and 90s is a little bit like having a disability, said Kenya Lazuli, the director of Everytown Vermont. You are not treated the same. You don't have access to the same things. We see you and we hear you and your concerns will be addressed. The committee will continue to take testimony on the bill over the coming weeks. An abundance of caution. That's the phrase state and federal officials have been repeatedly used to describe the reasoning behind the temporary suspension of Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccination. 
Vermont paused the Johnson & Johnson vaccine clinics within hours of a recommendation by the Federal Health Agency Tuesday morning. Six people out of roughly 6.8 million recipients of the vaccine experienced a rare blood clotting issue after their shots, according to a joint statement by officials from the Food and Drug Administration and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The agencies are now investigating a potential, potential link between the vaccine and the clotting issue, the statement said. The delay has raised questions for Vermonters who have recently received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, had their uh, scheduled have scheduled future Johnson & Johnson appointments, or are generally concerned about the vaccine side effects. Vermont Digger compiled some responses to frequently asked questions about the Johnson & Johnson suspension based on the information from Tuesday's state press conference, global news reports, and emails with medical experts. So let's take a look at a few of those. First question that uh, somebody asked was, why did the FDA and CDC make the decision? What will it take to restart the J&J &J distribution? Answer, in their joint statement, agency representatives said the blood clotting issue found in the six patients were rare but severe. The typical treatment for blood clots may be dangerous in these types of cases, they warned. Pausing use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine will give the agencies time to prepare health providers to properly identify and treat similar cases. The CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices plans to hold an emergency meeting on Wednesday to review the known cases and make further recommendations. Dr. Mark Levine from Vermont said the Advisory Committee will discuss whether the vaccine should not be used for certain populations, citing women who are of childbearing age, women who are on birth control, um, as possible examples. However, no such determinations have been made yet. Phil Scott said Tuesday that based on the information from the federal government, the pause is likely to be a few days, not a few weeks. Somebody else asked, didn't this already happen with the AstraZeneca vaccine? And what did we learn from that situation? The answer, yes, it did. Several countries paused distribution of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine after similar concerns with blood clotting. About 222 cases of severe clotting, 30 of them were fatal, had been reported among 34 million recipients of the vaccine in Europe, according to the magazine called Science. Some countries have restored access to the vaccine, but limited it to older age groups. Tim Leahy, who we had featured on the Ripple podcast previously, an infectious disease physician at the University of Vermont, said the AstraZeneca experience illustrated the balance between managing vaccine-related safety concerns and delaying access to life-saving vaccines. Quote, we know nearly all effective drugs have side effects of some sort, some of them rarely serious, and we need to approach vaccines similarly, Leahy said. If the benefits massively outweigh the risks, then those risks are okay to take. Somebody else asks if the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is allowed again, why should recipients be confident that all of its potential risks have been addressed? And the answer to that is some small risk of side effects accompanies nearly every kind of effective medication. Leahy said, including Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca. But since overall they protect people from a life-threatening infection, I still think they are a public health miracle, Leahy said. Leahy said the pause recommended by the FDA and CDC indicates how seriously the federal government is taking any potential risks. Quote, our scientists and regulators are being extremely, extremely careful about vaccine safety, he said. Quote, they are bending over backwards to get this right because they know it is critically important for the general public to trust the science behind the vaccines, end quote. The exceedingly low risk of blood clotting from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine should be weighed against other common risky behaviors like driving or flying, said Mary Cushman, a hematologist at UVM. 
Quote, taking birth control pills might be more risky, which also causes, which also causes clots, end quote. She goes on to say the benefits of preventing COVID are likely to be much greater, adding that the virus, the virus itself also carries a risk of blood clotting. Are the Pfizer and Moderna, Moderna vaccines still considered safe? And the answer there is yes. Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were developed using a different method from Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca. Both use, about to get sciencey here, mRNA, a type of genetic material to help the body fight the coronavirus. There is no sign of added clotting in the recipients of the mRNA vaccines, Leahy said. Before gaining emergency authorization from the FDA, clinical trials found that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to be extremely effective at preventing illness and death with minimal side effects. How common is the type of pauser recall is our final question. And our final answer is, there are precedents for vaccine recalls, said Beth Kirkpatrick, director of the UVM Vaccine Testing Center. In the late 1990s, a licensed rotavirus vaccine, which was thought to cause an intestinal problem in babies, was paused and eventually taken off the market. The move showed the importance of a phase four trial, which is the practice of responding to the vaccine effects after they move from controlled trials to real-world applications. It doesn't happen very often, but the systems are in place that it can be picked up and grabbed and addressed as soon as possible, Kirkpatrick said. Leahy said the unusual circumstances of the COVID pandemic make it difficult to draw comparisons to past recalls. Quote, sure, before a viral pandemic killed nearly 3 million human beings, it was uncommon for a country to suspend distribution of a widely used medication, Leahy said, quote, but it also takes, but it is also unprecedented for me to wear a mask to visit the grocery store. So all bets are off, end quote. The Caribbean island of St. Vincent is likely to see further volcanic eruptions and ash fall over the coming days, experts have warned. The La Soufrière volcano first erupted on Friday, blanketing the island in a layer of ash and forcing more than 16,000 people to evacuate their homes. Smaller explosions continued over the weekend, causing power outages and disrupting water supplies. Emergency officials have described the landscape as, quote, a battle zone. The volcano continues to erupt explosively with the production of copious amounts of ash, the University of the West Indies Seismic Research Center said. Explosions and accompanying an ash fall of similar or larger magnitude are likely to continue to occur over the next few days, impacting St. Vincent and neighboring islands. June Shipley, who is visiting her family on the island, told the BBC News that there were widespread fears of a larger eruption that could be imminent. We do hear the rumblings of the volcano when we do see the smoke, she said. White-colored dust has covered buildings and roads around the island, including in its capital of Kingstown. The warning to expect further activity from La Soufrière followed what officials described as an explosive event on Sunday. The emergency management organization NEMO tweeted, Massive power outage following another explosive event at La Soufrière volcano. Lightning, thunder, and rumblings. It later spoke of a possible destruction and devastation of communities close to the volcano and compared the eruption to that of 1902, the worst in St. Vincent's history when more than 1,000 people were killed. More people fled their homes on Sunday amid fears of further volcanic activity and ashfall. More than 3,000 people have been staying at government-run shelters around the island. Cruise ships have also been ready to take evacuees to nearby islands. 
St. Lucia, Antigua, and Granada have all offered to open their borders to evacuees. A group of 130 people have already begun have already been taken to St. Lucia. Meanwhile, Nemo urged those remaining on the island to be careful on the roads, which have become treacherous as a result of ash flow. Ash has hardened on the ground after rain showers and many homes are without water and electricity, emergency officials said early on Sunday. Some residents said power had been restored later in the day, but several areas are still in the dark. Prime Minister Ralph Gonzalez said water supplies to most of the island have been cut off and its airspace closed because of the smoke and thick plumes of volcanic ash that are moving through the atmosphere. He earlier said that a lot of volcanic ash had fallen over the sea. We don't know how much more is going to come out. So far, we have done well and nobody has gotten injured and nobody is dead. The Barbados Defense Force has been deployed to provide humanitarian assistance, the Caribbean Disaster Management Agency said. The ashes also spread beyond St. Vincent, reaching as far as Barbados, which is 120 miles to the east. People there have been urged to stay indoors and told to avoid breathing in the ash. This is to protect yourselves and your family, said Chief Medical Officer Kenneth George. People on the island of St. Lucia, which is about 47 miles north of St. Vincent, have been warned to expect air quality to be affected, with harmful gases potentially making it harder to breathe for people with conditions such as asthma. The volcano has been dormant since 1979, but late in 2020, it started spewing steam and smoke and making rumbling noises. The first sign that an eruption was imminent came on Thursday evening, when a lava dome became visible on La Soufrière. Sports! Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan scored in the United States women's national team beat France 2-0 in an exhibition on Tuesday. The United States extended its unbeaten streak to 39 games, which dates back all the way to January 2019, when the Americans fell to the same French side 3-1. Rapino scored on a penalty kick in the fifth minute. She leads the team with seven goals in seven matches this year. Morgan made it 2-0 with her 109th career goal in the 19th minute. France was missing some of its top players because of a coronavirus outbreak at the uh, club team Lyon. The Americans were coming off a 1-1 draw against Sweden on Saturday in Stockholm that beat their six that snapped, sorry, their 16-game winning streak. The United States, the top-ranked team in the world, is preparing for the Olympics in Tokyo. France beat England 3-1 on Friday. The third-ranked team, uh, French, did not qualify for the Olympics. Hideki Matsuyama made history on Sunday as the first male golfer from Japan to win a major championship. Ten years after making a sterling debut as the best amateur at Augusta National, Matsuyama claimed the ultimate trophy with a three with a victory in the Masters. Matsuyama, 29 years old, closed with a one over 73 and a one shot victory that was close only at the end and was never seriously in doubt after Xander Schauffele's late charge ended with a triple bogey on the par 3 16th. Moments before Dustin Johnson helped him to put on the green jacket, Matsuyama needed no interpreter in Butler Cabin when he said in English, quote, I'm really happy, end quote. So masterful was this performance that Matsuyama stretched his lead to six shots on the back nine until a few moments of drama. With a four-shot lead, he went for the green in two on the par 5 15th, and the ball bounded hard off the back slope and into the pond on the 16th hole. Quote, hopefully I'll be a pioneer and many other Japanese will follow, end quote, Matsuyama said. PSG and Chelsea booked their spots in the Champions League semifinals yesterday. 
Today's game see Manchester City take on Borussia Dortmund, while Liverpool host Real Madrid. Both games start at 3 p.m. on Paramount+. Hull City were not in midweek action yesterday, but it's almost like a win for them as Sunderland fell to Wigan Athletic 2-1. Sunderland are chasing Hull City for the automatic promotion place in League One, and the loss means Hull can earn promotion if results go their way over the next week. Up the Tigers! And that's all for this week's episode of The Ripple. I hope you liked it. Take care of yourself and each other, and have a sterling week. If I knew the way, I would take you home.